Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to yet another episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is Kate Pruser. I am the managing editor of Lookout Landing. I am joined, as always, by fellow co-editor John Troopin. John, how are you? Doing all right. Good, good, uh, <laughs> much better straights than I expected to be in uh, baseball-wise yes. to be out talking to you today. Su- surprisingly, surprisingly, when we said we'll do a podcast after the opening series against the Red Sox, I did not anticipate to be sitting here with such ebullience in yeah, my thought heart. I thought it would be a very, like, so, the West Virginia Power announced yep. their lineup yeah, today. Yes. Um, joining us also is staff writer Matthew Roberson. Matthew, how are you? I'm good. We're recording in the morning, which is a change of pace. Um, I feel like, what's old girl's name from the Today Show, who's always like kind of day drunk? Hoda? Kathy <laughs> oh, Lee and Hoda? Yeah, I feel like Kathy Lee and Hoda, where like I have this mug in front of me and no one knows if it's coffee or wine. So. Yes, mm. that Irish coffee for sure. Yeah, that's the energy I'm bringing to today's podcast. I love it. The sun is out. The Mariners are the best team in the American League. In baseball. In baseball. Well, I guess the Phillies maybe well, are Well, there's winning percentages. Yeah, some teams are undefeated, but we've played the most. So, yeah, we're probably the best team. The winningest assembled. team. 
the winningest team ever assemble avengers assemble. i saw someone do the spider-man meme and it was like the 1927 yankees meeting the 2019 mariners <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is this is big fun more big fun than i think any of us anticipated so let's go ahead and uh and run down the opening series some things we uh should we go should we go for the good and then the bad and then the ugly or should we go for the good the better and the ugly what what do you think I'm curious to hear what the ugly is cuz there's not a lot I say we start with the ugly from you Kate Oh I think we all know what the ugly is Well the I mean, ugly comes out at night <laughs> as it were I don't want to pile on maybe someone who is in a tough position already so if that's what we're getting at, I mean, Dylan Moore was the ugly of the Red Sox series. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. it's a, the, yeah, so the error, maybe the errors are uglier than the bullpen. What's worse, the errors or the bullpen? Well, I would say making three errors in the ninth inning is about as ugly as you can get, especially oh. when, like, two of them were, like, extremely routine plays. But again, like, I don't know if he even should be in the game at that point. So, like, I don't know who's really at fault here. I mean, obviously he could have made the plays, but, like, the bullpen looks better, too, if that game ends on the first ground ball rather than the fourth. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that is a fair point. I, I think, like, that was just so – it was, like, cosmic. Although It was like watching a Greek tragedy unfold where you're like, oh, no, and you know what's going to happen because you've – read the cliffs notes but you're still like oh no maybe he won't get his eyes pecked out by birds and and then it <laughs> happens anyway i don't know i haven't read any greek tragedies in a long time i assume there's eye pecking um yeah that was my main concern I, I, after the air it just, like, oh, a bird is coming for sure to, <laughs> to peck his did, eyes out did, did it really seem like it was completely out of the realm of possibility at that point because you just you knew that when the I, it was a mixture of like shock and disbelief. Like I could not believe it was happening, but at the same time I was yeah. like, "But of course this is happening." I mean, it's just excellent like fatherly foresight by Jay Bruce to know that like we're gonna need these runs for later. So I'm gonna hit a th <laughs> I'm gonna hit an extra three run homer right now. Uh, <laughs> yes, just Jay Bruce is the dad we all deserve. Yeah, man, just the dinger dad. Dinger uh, dad. It's been. I think the defense has been ugly and like the the thing with the defense is like you can see it getting better because like Kyle Seeger will eventually come back and Kyle Seeger makes probably 90% of the plays that 90 90 <laughs> that's low I feel like that's, that's well I was like I don't yeah. know like probably he has maybe one error this year as opposed to the collective like five or six maybe even seven that Dylan Moore and Ryan Healy have combined for right like Healy has airmailed a throw last night like he missed a couple different grounders he's he made a bad throw in the day before's game to you know for what could have been a double play um yeah know, something I forgot was that, like, with shifts, that Ryan Healy would be playing essentially second base. Like, in Japan, he was playing <laughs> where the second baseman plays and had to start a double play and just biffed it completely. And I was like, oh, man, he's, like, not qualified for third base, not even remotely qualified for second base. <laughs> I guess that's why they probably want Dylan Moore to be in there because he can play infield, but he just had 
the night from hell, which I'm worried is going to have like lingering effects. Maybe like if it's the ninth inning and he's at third base again and a ball is hit at him, like I can imagine the bad feelings are going to start to creep up. Not even I just mean, for him, but for me, who I'm more concerned about. As we <laughs> as we said in the in our discussion after the game, like. Well, you know, Edgar Martinez had, uh, like, three errors or even four errors, I think, in one game. And he is a Hall of Famer now. So, not not known for his defense, necessarily, but he got over it and played, like, some pretty respectable defense. Like, you know, it's, And he was it's a really, solid defender at, in, in the yeah, outset of his career. He was pretty much fine. And I think Dylan Moore is, like, he's pretty much fine. I've watched him make plays in spring training that are not, that are harder than the ones he's biffed on. It's just, it's a little bit of the yips. I think it's a little bit of like, this is a guy who really didn't have probably as much time in the minors as he should have had. And he's uh, he's also not played third base very much. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he's spent a fair amount of time, like in both Texas and Atlanta throughout the minors, but he's been a shortstop mostly, and he's a pretty good shortstop, but ball comes at you a little quicker and a little different, and yeah, it's rough. Yeah, it's, I mean, as far as the range goes, he's just, so yeah, I mean, Dylan Moore having never played a major league game, had not played above triple A, where he only had, do we know what? Oh, because he was split between Double A and Triple A last year, so he really only has 325 plate appearances at Triple A. Like, that's just mm-hmm. that's a very di- uh, guys always talk about how much faster the game goes, right? So, mm-hmm. and yeah, you, you are can right. See that. He had he had a thousand innings at Double A as shortstop in 2017. So yeah, yeah. At the plate too, his bat speed looks like it could use a lot of help like he's like missing on 92 right down the middle and you're like yeah. i don't know if that's what you were expecting like if you're sitting fastball it's down the middle at 92 and you miss it like i don't know what pitch you're gonna hit so that was a little concerning too he's so little is the thing like he just <laughs> he's extremely little and I, the trade-off to that is he's supposed to be like a romine level defender right romine was a decent defender yeah. uh, for all the pain of watching him at the plate like he was not bad he was not gonna mm. kill you out there and no uh i'm i mean they must have seen something in dylan moore that they were exciting but maybe you know step back season we'll roll the dice we'll see if mm. this is something we can do but i'm just shocked that they didn't think that they could like sign him to a minor league deal or somehow be able to expose him to waivers maybe they could do it now and and try to I mean, they can still send him down, right? Because this is his first call. So he's got three options. Oh, yeah, he's got options. Then why did we put him on a minor? Why did we give him a major league deal? I mean, I think it was so that they could get him, right? Because otherwise he would have probably gone somewhere else. So they specifically wanted him. Uh, Very mysterious. Uh, He just, he is very, very slight. And there's just not a ton of power that's going to come out of that frame. You know, he's... As I say all the time, very narrow-hipped. Uh, not a lot of lower half power. Like the, yeah, and it is concerning to me, as Matthew said, that you would hope at least for kind of a whippy bat that, you know, and some speed to beat out some infield singles. But that has so far not. He's struggling. He's really, really struggling, and um, it's going to be a test of the team to see how they can kind of pull his season out of a little bit of an early nosedive. 
Yeah, it was fun watching that game on Saturday with a friend and being like, like batting seventh, Dylan Moore, and he goes, "Who?" And then batting eighth, Tom Murphy, and he's like, "This is this is a joke. <laughs> this is not real." But like, they ended up playing a huge role in that game. I mean, Moore obviously in kind of a bad way, but then Tom Murphy with that, the frame job heard around the internet on the uh, the ninth <laughs> inning slider from Rumbelo. Yeah, do we want to? I mean, we were supposed to be in the bad and the ugly but do we want to briefly address tom murphy who maybe might not make the good list on his own yeah i'm pretty neutral (laughs) on tom murphy i don't have a real opinion on him he's not david freitas i guess but i like david freitas so we we are big david freitas stands around here but um so i was like really prepared to dislike tom murphy just on principle on david freitas loving principle but I am pleased with his ability to adapt quickly to the staff. And as John pointed out, he has that frame on the Rumbelow pitch was not just like a good frame. It was this lower leg nutcracker-esque crab kick thing that he did to, to get the ball into a position mm-hmm. where the home plate umpire could see it very clearly and... Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of athleticism behind the plate that we have just not had. Mm-hmm. Bless you, Mike Zanino, but like exceptionally agile is not the phrase I would use for him. So I'm I I'm coming around on Tom Murphy, and if he could be like a capable backup, that would. I would feel better about the pitching staff because I don't feel great about Narvaez's framing or defensive abilities. It is at best going to be a process for uh, I think Narvaez to grow. He, it, it was like there's going to be a lot of work, especially with like his flexibility and his athleticism, um, but it. Murphy's got some talent. He's got, you know, he's a reasonably high draft pick, and he's always hit pretty well in the minors, other than the year where he was injured. So, you know, it's the this is the kind of guy. I, I guess the thing is, like, we just talked about Dylan Moore, who is a player who doesn't have all that much upside. You wouldn't think, um, whereas Murphy is a little bit more of like could flame out, but could pop a little bit more and typically when you're a team looking to sort of step back and find you know a little bit more in an off season you want more guys like Murphy in terms of guys who could you know if you're going to be bad be bad with the potential for being great don't just be an okay amount of bad yes um I think that I like the idea of putting Murphy in as a defensive replacement late in games. Like, let Omar go out there and club some dingers, possibly <laughs> get some, some uh-huh. get some runs on the board and uh, build the healthy lead, and then put Murphy in to handle the bullpen, which is frankly terrifying. And we should we should talk about it because that is if we're looking for the bad i think it mm-hmm. you'd be hard pressed to name anything other than the bullpen as the bad which member of the bullpen makes you feel the worst when they're about to come in oh boy who do you really not want to see warming up cuz i mean there are a lot 
it is easier for me to count the guys that I am actually like, oh, few, um, than it is for me to, yeah, <laughs> that it's few and far, like, let's face it, it's Brandon Brennan, right? It's Brandon Brennan, who, and, what and a Rowanis. pleasant surprise. I like Rowanis. Yeah, I would Rowanis, say Rowanis. Yeah. I think he's throwing 95 now. Yeah, Rowanus is like 95, 96. (laughs) When he's standing on his feet. Oh, man. Um, And like the change-up's looking good. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's been pretty pretty rough. I I trust Jason Bradford to throw strikes. Yep. Um, Which apparently is the bar. That's the bar. Like, can you throw strikes is the bar. And, And... Congratulations, Jason, for yeah. being above that. Yeah. Um, I I still like Corey Guerin. I think there's a, a good sort of Sergio Romo-type player in there, um, but it was pretty brutal to watch him. I will agree. Incapable of finding the strike zone. That was awful. He's certainly not that um, bad, but it definitely hurts, too, that his pace is just Glacial, glacial. Unbe- <laughs> unbelievably slow. I ha- I mean, he really, bad. Uh, my father, not a noted baseball analyst by any means, but he has made Corey Guerin his enemy, mostly because he loves like, you know, catch and throw, like get it and rip it. But mm. and Corey Guerin, he really he pointed this out to me, and I'd not noticed it. But Corey Guerin, like takes a minute before he pitches and he kind of casts it he literally casts his eyes mm-hmm. to the heavens mm-hmm. and it's sort of like oh, I, it, I get this sense like was was a was there a quantum leap situation happening here where like somebody has jumped into Corey Guerin's body and it's not somebody who knows how to pitch baseballs and it's just like all right here goes nothing uh, every single time. It, it's... Oh, interesting. You think it's like like a Freaky Friday thing where someone's inhabiting yeah. his body and it's not actually Corey Guerin? <laughs> yes. Like every minute before he pitches, every, yeah, like whenever he takes the mound, it's someone who has all of Corey Guerin's like ability and strength, but no knowledge of what, like, I guess I just kind of throw it up there. Yeah. Can anyone help me around? Any idea? Okay. Yeah, it's and, exactly yeah. like Freaky Friday where she's trying to play the guitar, but she doesn't know how to, so she's just faking it. I'm going to have yes. to look for that now. That's my new my new angle when watching Corey Guerin. Is this man an imposter? <laughs> yes, the impo- <laughs> Corey Guerin imposter syndrome. Um, <laughs> I will say that like the one thing, the mantra that I repeat to myself when I watch Corey Guerin pitch is, first of all, he's very nice as a person. I like him as a person a lot. Uh, he has a very charming Instagram account where he takes really nice photos. He's very into Seattle. He's a very adorable mini bull. Um, and I just have to remind myself how infuriated it must make Manfred to watch Garen pitch. Like, he is literally Rob Manfred's worst nightmare. And so I love the idea that he's actively shaving time off Manfred's life every pitch he throws. <laughs> Yeah, anything uh, that can be done to spite Rob Manfred, I'm all for, but yes. I don't want to watch the Mariners play five-hour games. So we're going to have to find kind of a middle ground A there. middle ground on that. So, yes, Corey Guerin had a, had a rough outing. He's almost assuredly not as bad as he seemed in that outing, um, but the pace he works at does make him extra painful. Is there anyone else who is uh, 
who really just strikes fear into your heart when he enters from the bullpen and not in a good way. Uh, Zach Roskop does mm. not. I mean, we knew he would not inspire a ton of confidence. It's a guy who has very little actual MLB time, in part because of his role as a loogie, in part because of his injury Health history. Issues, yeah. um, he's looked good at some points, but he also has struggled to find the zone. And uh, seeing him face Mike Trout last oh, night gosh. absolutely terrifying, even if it was functionally an unintentional <laughs> intentional walk so yeah that was oh. yeah. I mean that it's this the whole crew the whole crew is a bunch of dice rolls and it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, Amanda wrote about this on the site uh, this week and as, as someone who grew up with the 90s bullpens of the Mariners which were you know gifted many leads by their <laughs> prolific offense and Randy Johnson or you know, Jeff Vicero or Jamie Moore, well, no, I guess not quite Jamie Moyer, but plenty of reasonable starters doing a good job and not not hanging on to those or making it terrifying when they did hang on to it. Yes. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun throwback, I guess, yeah. for, for some people. It's, yeah. It is exciting, but also... Classic Mariners can't, can't <laughs> get away from the 90s. <laughs> Reliving the glory days. That's harsh. Uh, yeah, I gotta go with uh, Nick Rumbelow, who we know is not a favorite of mine. I believe uh, you suggested te- using a um, sort of gimmick game on a carrier boat to kick him into the ocean last podcast. Yes, last podcast. How have, you, how, has your, how have your feelings progressed? <laughs> uh, I would now like the ocean to be much colder. Uh, oh, still, even after his one s- unbelievable buckle down, he d- he did have that one shining moment, and then he had another moment where he gave up a Mookie Betts home run on. Yeah, but like everyone gives up a Mookie Betts home run. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, his disturbing propensity to give up the long ball remains terrifying to me. Well, they're using him against like elite hitters too. Like he gave up the home run in Japan to Matt Chapman, and everyone was like, "Why is he pitching to Matt Chapman?" Yeah, and then like Mookie Betts also, like in the Saturday game, the Dylan Moore game. I guess they didn't really have any other option. They had to get a new pitcher in there. But it's like, all right, kid, you get Martinez and Bogarts. Good luck. <laughs> like he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities to like fatten up against the seven, eight, and nine hitters. I think these uh, these White Sox and Royals series might help the bullpen's confidence. Just being able to face kind of bad or inexperienced hitters, I'm sure, is better than the Red Sox and A's. So that's something to look for. But yeah, I really only trust. Brandon Brennan, which is a wild sentence, and <laughs> Rowenis in short doses. Everyone yeah. else is giving me like a lot of bad feelings, and like I don't want to be watching this game. Like when the bullpen is in, that's when I'm like doing stuff around the apartment, like cleaning things or like getting a snack because I don't really want to be engaged on every single pitch. It's not fun or good for your health. No, no, it's extremely terrifying. Um, I would like to see David McKay pitch, and obviously probably he was not going to get a shot in the Red Sox games. Um, The only one I think it would have been conceivable to put him in was the first one, and that was before he was even officially on the roster. So um, I'm hoping that this Angels series, if if the game tonight goes sideways one way or the other, he gets a shot or 
and if not, you know, he'll he'll probably get a shot and up on this upcoming road trip. But I'm really curious to see what he has and if the stuff will play at the major league level um, because it sure looked pretty good against upper minors competition so far. So, um, but yes, it is. And now we have a new member of the bullpen in. I will not call him Sadzak. I will not call him Sadzak. Connor Zadzik. Zadzik? Zadzik. Zadzik? I, I feel like he should one. just have, like, more Z's in his <laughs> He needs to lean into it. Yeah. Uh, I I think he will fall into the uh, sort of Rumbelo category of guys who have the talent to be high leverage pitchers, but are going to have to figure out how to get to that talent in before our eyes this year, and it is not always Whee! going to be pretty. Yeah, yeah. You could throw... Before uh, our very eyes. You could throw Herson Bautista in that group as well once he comes back from from his lat strain. I mean, Sadzik is huge. Like he's 6'7". He throws... He averages 97 on his fastball. He's... Uh, you know, he touches 100... He's got a slider and a curveball, which collectively are another 10 miles per hour apart. So, like, there's the the separation and the movement is there. The command has never been, whether he's been a starter or a reliever, Mm -hmm. and he's 27 still, Mm -hmm. so he's not, you know, I mean, a lot of relievers don't really figure it out until this point in their careers, but we're going to have to watch him figure it out in <laughs> real games, time in he's out of meaningful options, things. So. Yeah, that'll be. Yeah. Um, all right. Here, here's the, here's why I am bullish on Connor Zudzik. Um, oh, you've come around. We, ooh, you were no, not no, a fan. No, no, no. I'm still oh. not a fan. I liked Grant Anderson a lot, and I thought sure. he could be a really fast-moving bullpen piece. Mm-hmm. And if the team is like selling off pieces of the farm to kind of compete this early that 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 upsets me because like i just don't feel like we've really we ain't played no one yet Hmm. uh because i think the red sox might be bad (laughs) wow i don't i don't know i don't know what did the A's beat them seven nothing last night yeah i don't know that this is like a buy though i mean like if you're actually buying a piece like you would go for a guy who had not did not have abysmal numbers last year right i mean this is a like buy low on a guy who they have essentially five more years of control of and they think can be good you know in a year i just i i hope it wasn't a desperation move that is my concern is like i really would not want to give up pieces off the farm that are going to be potentially contributors later on down the road essentially to do what we've done for the last three years which is you know trade off these pieces that should be the team of the future in order to kind of prop up a staggering big league club. Like that's not what I was promised out of this year. I was promised the one year the, the, the kids would stay on the farm. Um, so that is a little troubling to me, but Sadzik is coming out of the Rangers organization. And I don't feel like the Rangers are awesome at development and certainly not pitcher development. John, is that something that you would agree on? They have a significant um, issue with 
their uh, pitching development recently. And I'm, I'm not going to say, like, it's an identifiable issue. They just have had no success in developing pitchers uh, in a homegrown way. It's not, not uh, an and it's one that is, issue, like, no. glaring and talked about at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've got a couple guys who are decent now in the minors. Hans Kraus, I believe it is. I love Hans um, Kraus. Yeah. What a weirdo. And, but, like, a couple, a year or two ago, like, Yoander Mendez was a, like, top 25, maybe top maybe top mm-hmm. 50 prospect in baseball and, like, was very talented, all these things, but, like, kept having the knock of, like, well, but hasn't, like, actually gotten his command down and hasn't really fully refined things, but, like, he's so young and he'll be, like, he'll be okay and, like, has taken a serious step back and now is being looked at as a reliever and, like, yes, you could make those same if you're a savvy listener, you might say, hey, that's the same thing Justice Sheffield is getting knocked for, which is true. But, like, this is, like, the eighth in a row time that the <laughs> Rangers have had this happen with a, a pitching prospect. So um, it, it's not been their forte, even though they've been successful at getting these really great athletes uh, yes. into... And, I mean, that's kind of the... That's been the, the typification of a of a Rangers prospect for the past several years. It's someone who is almost like what the angels are doing with their position players. Someone who is high risk, but very high ceiling. You know, you have Gallo, you have Mazzara, like they, the fireballing pitchers, like they've really gone big. Um, but in several of them, they have also kind of not panned out. And you see jerks and profile in, uh, in the A's organization, and it's pretty interesting to me to see, like, he already looks like a much more capable major leaguer than he ever did while he was in Texas, so I cast it's many the, it's aspersions the, it's the upon... Oh, yes, it, he does look good in that yellow. Uh, I cast many aspersions upon Texas's development system, so that is one thing that I think I feel a little... Th- that They've is one thing that I feel a little hopeful They've been going downhill since they lost Scott's service. That's, that's all this... This is maybe what if the real friend what if the real Scott service was the friends we made along the way? No, I can't make that work. Anyway, let's move on. Um, <laughs> let's go to the good. Let's go to we, the good. We, we've yes. lingered here in this sort we've, of un, unpleasant valley, but really this was an unbelievable weekend. Yes. I mean, Let which continued into the Monday. I mean, we're recording machine. this Tuesday morning, but holy shit, y'all. Like, <laughs> I, I had no... I had confidence there would be interesting things this, you know, in this team, but I was so confident, like, it would be pretty, that it was going to be a drag to start out here, and that, like, by, like, May or June, we'd get Justice, and we'd get J.P. Crawford, and we'd finally get some things that were more interesting, but this is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I'm kind of crossing streams here, but this first weekend of baseball was kind of how I felt about the entire Seahawks most recent season where it was like I was fully prepared for like six and ten or seven and nine mm-hmm. and they just made the playoffs and I don't think the Mariners are gonna make the playoffs but it was that same feeling of like sitting down to watch a game not expecting much kind of expecting to hate it honestly mm-hmm. and then good things coming out of it which is like to it's me that's the best money. kind of sports joy is when it's unexpected yeah. like when you're like when your team is favored to win and then they win, it's always more of a relief than like actual joy. And this was that whole Red Sox series was just like a fever dream, but in a good way. Like 
a fever dream where you have like a fun one and not like a demon showing up. I think you can see a lot of that conversely too in how miserable Red Sox fans were about it. I almost feel oh, I like they it. were more miserable than we were joyful. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I hope so. I guess you have like high expectations when you have won the World Series and. This is certainly their window for competition. They just handed out a lot of money to sale. They just handed out a lot of money to uh, Bogarts. But I was looking ahead at what they're going to be paying players in 2021, 2022, and, like, it is rough. They're going to have $100 million plus tied up in about four players. So, um, And no I farm. Mean, they just no extended Xander Bogarts. Like, yeah, it's, it's a real... Big bet on this core that is, uh, you know, if they can't keep Mookie Betts, it's going to be a real dicey operation. Yeah. And oh, man, this is my favorite conversation of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking of all the ways the Red Sox could just crater is, is my love language. <laughs> I love this. Matthew, do you have, like, an especial uh, dislike of the Red Sox? I mean, I dislike the Red Sox mostly because you know, the fans and they're obnoxious, blah, blah. It's a, yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of lovely ones out there, but I have not encountered any or many of them at uh, at T-Mobile Park or Safeco or otherwise. So is there is there something fueling this? It's a combination of many factors. It's the thing that you said, like their fans are not my favorite. Um, I could never in my life get myself to like root for a Boston sports team and that's you know even like the Bruins I'm like I don't want them to have any success and I don't particularly care about the NHL that much but it's also a lot of a lot of them just being the like they've been the bully in my life like they've won four World Series since 2004 the Yankees have won one in that time and that was like kind of a fun Yankees team so I don't know. The Red Sox to me are just like they're the Patriots in in baseball. Like they win a lot and their fans suck and like that's that's pretty much it. I don't have like a the lovable the lovable loser trope is completely gone with the Red Sox. At least for me and sort of my generation of people who grew up with them being like truly dominant and it's annoying to me when their fans are like Oh, nobody believed in us. And it's like everyone <laughs> is picking you to win the World Series. You have like seven elite players. Like, just relax. You know what I mean? That's my my main thing with Red Sox and Boston sports fans. Like, just relax every now and again. And maybe <laughs> I wouldn't hate you. And they're so annoying So those of you keeping too. a tally at home, uh, we have another Matthew Roberson impression. That one wasn't great, Boston, honestly. Boston for, it's all right. It's early. You're workshopping it. That's fine. I got, it comes out I'm on just, certain words. Like Xanda friggin' Bogats is really Xanda, fun to say. I heard a guy say basically that exact sentence at, or phrase at T-Mobile this weekend, and I was not sure if he was like – imitating a Red Sox fan or was actually, I mean, he was a, a Red Sox, he was wearing the jersey and everything. Um, but I wasn't sure if he was like kind of doing a send up of the accent or if that was literally his accent. And I really wanted to chase him down and ask, but I value my face. So I mean, say what you want about Xanda. He's no Noma. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, the Red Sox might, might, might not be good, which does make me worry about whether or not this club is 
good. Um, I th- I think I think that was a good baseball team. They yeah, I just think that offense. I think the Red Sox are very good. <laughs> I, oh, it's yeah. a good. It is a good offensive team. It is a good offensive team. Is, JD you know Martin. Yeah, the sale amazing. thing was like, kind of concerning. I mean, if you're a Red Sox fan, I loved it, but. <laughs> Well, and like Yavaldi is good. Like it, you know. Like the, even if it's they weren't having great days. Like they were hitting ninety six to ninety eight and ninety like two to ninety five from the left side. Like th- these are <laughs> this is not like cheap stuff that they were yeah eating up on. Like Eduardo Rodriguez is a solid pitcher. Like they <laughs> they've just been dumpstering everyone that they've been <laughs> you know getting getting a look at i mean it's been la- last year the offense was so exhausting in many ways in part because they had this inability to take teams deep yes. in uh in counts um they were i i don't know if this stat is even recorded somewhere i'm sure it could be but I would bet that the Mariners, that starting pitchers went the longest against the Mariners of probably any team in baseball because they... The at-bats were so quick. I mean, it was D, just like one, two, three, gone. Or D, one, pop fly, gone. Yeah, and like, Ryan hacked a lot. And and like, so the, the Mariners didn't strike out very much, and they didn't walk very much, and they that can work like the Red Sox were like that the Red Sox walk more than the Mariners but they don't strike out very much and they do most of their damage through contact but the contact wasn't very good a lot of the time and the Red Sox last year especially like their contact was great and at least this weekend like the Mariners have been walking plenty but also their contact has been fantastic like we've, we've seen it from Healy from Santana from Beckham Beckham's Every single time he's making contact with the ball, he's hitting it out in front of the plate. Oh. He's hitting it to center. He's hitting it to left. Like, these, these are – it's unrecognizable, even from the guys who are returners. It's such a better approach. Like, Healy has been driving the ball – I mean, he's still doing most of his damage by pulling, but, like, he's driven multiple balls the opposite way with, like, some force. And it's – I mean, I, I – I feel worked up about this, but it's it's actually it's so delightful to watch a team have a completely about face approach that makes every aspect of their offense better. I I think um, even just D and Ryan taking more pitches and going deeper into counts mm-hmm. is fascinating i know that we were like just that seems to make such a it lengthens the lineup when you're up there longer you know the game on sunday they did not make a red sox pitcher other than brazier brazier whatever however you say Mm -hmm. uh who was just throwing fire um Mm -hmm. and who hadn't really been used in the season because the or in the series because the games were like such blowouts Mm they made every other pitcher throw at least 20 pitches in their innings. And to me, that stat was unbelievable. The Red Sox pitchers threw 171 pitches over their, whatever, eight innings of work. And the Mariners pitchers threw less in an inning more of work. 
Um, I think a lot of times when we talk about see the Z, there is a great emphasis on see the Z this year, and that's great. Just the plain counting stats don't seem to so far indicate that this team is better than, well, I think they're better than 2017, obviously, but that they were better than 2016, the early push of see the Z. But I think you can't look at see the Z as just counting walks and strikeouts, because uh, this team is still striking out a fair amount. They struck out a lot in that Padres exhibition series. Uh, they struck out a lot on Sunday, the game that they won. Um, they're going to strike out, but just having those long plate appearances, I, I want there to be a way that we can quantify I mean, that. QABs. I mean, that's sort of, I, I don't know how many, I think a lot of people who play baseball or softball are probably familiar with the concept of a QAB, a quality at bat, but it's it's essentially it's something that the Mariners take very seriously. I think they maybe have their slightly different. Um, what's what's the term that they have for the? It's like the competitive at bat or like the competition. Yeah, uh, the productive team plate appearance. Yes, the PTPA. PTPA. Yeah. yeah, so so the Mariners call it a productive team plate appearance, but it's a, it's a very similar concept to uh, the quality at bat statistic, which is just that. Um, you either get a walk or a hit by pitch or a hit and that those all count as quality plate appearances but also a a, either a six or seven pitch at bat whatever happens after that it still counts as a quality plate it's a seven uh, i'm pretty sure it's a seven seven? pitch at bat. okay Yeah. yeah so the idea that you're not always going to get on but if you're making the pitcher work you are still ultimately having a productive at bat and that benefit trickles down to the rest of your, the, the team because that pitcher is a little bit more tired that pitcher yes. has you know used more energy they they have to go to the bullpen earlier they have to get more bullpen guys used earlier in the series they can't go to their better guys as often so i mean all of that it's incremental stuff but if everyone on the team is doing a good job of it it absolutely comes through and whether that ultimately you know sticks as a season-long thing i don't know i would i would pump the brakes on that but even just seeing it for a week's worth of games essentially is so refreshing (laughs) out of the gate here yeah and like they're not the best team in baseball at taking a walk but they're in the top 10 they're not the best team in baseball at so far at not striking out but they're in the top 10 you know, if they can just yeah. come reasonably close to the... And then they're, you know, the third best team by slugging, by ISO, um, mm-hmm. behind the Phillies and the Dodgers, who are obviously going to hit, you know, 80 bazillion home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, it, it's really... I know that a lot of us... Oh, yeah, and they're also the best team in baseball at stealing bases and base running, which is also very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean, just like last night, the sorry, I, I don't mm-hmm. remember who you are, but uh, there have been two, maybe three different plays where either D or Malik's has stolen a base, the throw has gone into center field, and then they've immediately just blitzed down to third base. And like, yes, that's such a just invigorating thing for your offense to score runs, you know, especially when you have guys who make contact. Uh, in a productive way coming up after that, like Santana and, uh, you know, Malix and, and Mitch even. Yeah, anyway. I was yeah. not ready for how fast Malix is. Oh, it's unbelievable. 
And he has yeah. like 80 grade looks cool while running hair. <laughs> like his hair is so cool. It kind of reminds me of like a macaroni penguin, but in a good way. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Those penguins with, like, the blonde hair on top? Okay, people at home will know what I'm talking about. But it's very similar to that look, which I'm into. That's not meant to be a a dig at Malik's. Um, But, yeah, it's it's been really fun to, like, have a guy get on base and then realize, like, oh, he can be on third base in, like, 20 seconds. Oh, my God, it is a macaroni penguin. I just Googled it. This is 100% the look. Yeah, they're out here. They're pretty common. (laughs) Um, on the C to Z thing, by the way, I don't have numbers to back this up, but just in the first seven games or whatever, it feels like just from watching that the Mariners are swinging at the right pitches more often. Like they're not like swinging at garbage and like, they're definitely like kind of early in the counts. They're like keyholing the strike zone. I mean, like I'm only going to swing if it's where I want it rather than just swinging because it's in the zone. I know that, uh, in his very, uh, incendiary, MLB Network interview with Tim Beckham was talking about how that's been his approach, like just trying to hit the pitches he wants in the zone and like being aggressive while also being selective in the zone. Like if this pitch, if it's the first pitch and it's where I want it to be, I'm going to swing at it, but I'm going to be selective in that. Like I'm not going to swing at a strike just because it's a strike. So that was kind of cool I, to hear. I, I have yeah. the numbers for you. Yeah, the Mariners great are- news for you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Give it to me. Uh, John and I both raced to fan graphs, apparently. You did. Uh, do you want to? You can go ahead, John. No, you you lead. Yeah, validate me. Either uh, one of you. The Mariners have the best O swing, so swinging outside the zone. They have the best mark in the majors right now, uh, leading the Braves by almost a full point. Wow. They I'm so good only, at watching baseball. 23%, 23.8% of the time are they swinging at pitches outside of the zone, which is... Uh, at least thus far, a dramatic improvement over last year where they were doing so 31.1% of the time. Um, And I would anticipate this will not last because no team did that last year. Like, the lowest was the Dodgers at 27.2. But it's still absolutely... I mean, it's a great point that, like, they're not chasing. They are actually making teams come to them. And perhaps that will have to shift as the book changes a little bit and as teams adjust and realize, oh, these guys aren't being complete morons as they, like they were last year. Yes, yes. But, uh, but <laughs> That's true. being the team that is making other teams have to adjust is pretty good. Much more preferable to, oh, hey, it's Ryan Healy. Why don't we just throw him some garbage? Um, and he is, I think, to my mind, been the biggest benefactor of just it just literally laying off a couple of pitches and then getting his pitch to hit. And it turns out when Ryan Healy gets a good pitch to hit and doesn't go chasing after garbage, really fun things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to me for being right about that. By the way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You have been a Ryan Healy stan from day one. Um, oh, no, I didn't mean that part. I meant the, the O swing thing, like oh. just that hunch that I had being backed up by numbers. But yes, also, yes, the eye test, the eye test works, everyone. Yeah. Test. Scouts, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm out here. I can I'll I'll write some reports for you. Um, Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about while we're riding this wave of good feelings. Um, who is your guy? Who do you love? Who is who is, and is that any different from it was from what it was over spring training? I have a trio of guys. 
Yeah. Greedy. It's Fine. well. I don't know. They just love each other so much. And oh, I, okay. I love right, that. Right. It's. I mean, one of them is old, not old, but like on the team last year, D Gordon, and then Tim Beckham and Malik Smith are just like really everything I wanted in these new <laughs> players. Where it's like, yeah, they're playing well, but they also like being on the Mariners, which is such a refreshing change of pace to some of the things we've seen in the past. Yeah, and they seem to like each other, which I also like. I feel like that a hundred percent matters. Anyone who's played sports or even just had a job knows that you like things better if your coworkers are cool so mm-hmm. as long as they're on good terms with each other i'm on good terms with them like that interview that i mentioned earlier on mlb network was just so great like tim beckham's doing the interview and then d just comes up and takes the headset off of his head to <laughs> offer his thoughts and then you see malik smith run from the outfield and be like, oh i want to be in this too and like that's just cool like it's so nice to see the Mariners like having a good time and like also another like underlying thing here is this might not last very long so like enjoy it while it's here like I don't know if July and August are gonna have the same vibes so we might as well just sort of bask in the Tim Beckham player of the week player of the month player of the century thing that's going on right now yes it has absolutely um it's just been so fun and you have, you just have to lean into the fun. And like you said, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So just love this swagger that I think, you know, we had D and D was like kind of a one man show last year, as far as the fun goes. And this year we've tripled that. Like we have triple the fun, triple the swag. Yeah. And, that has been exciting to me and just, like you said just watching that friendship kind of grow amongst all of them and i think uh tiffany who is on twitter at rocked faces and is a lovely person pointed out the thing that she really appreciates about d gordon is like he hopped into that interview to to do a very d thing which is like no matter how much you are appreciating my te- teammates it's not enough like you must appreciate them more and I just think that's so... I just got so excited that I, I knocked into my coffee cup and spilled coffee everywhere. That's what <laughs> D. Gordon does to me. Yeah, and I think his fun quotient will only increase if he's playing well, which he is so far. I mean, he looks healthy, which is, I think, one awesome. of the main reasons why last season went south for him is because he wasn't right. So I think, like, if he can hit and be around his guys, like, it'll just be, like, D. Gordon at his peak entertainment value. It's, I my guy last week was Domingo Santana, and <laughs> I am, I I not doubling down, but like quadrupling down <laughs> on that. Um, I mean, obviously he played really well uh, this this past weekend, but like the there's a lot of player there are a lot of players i think that are either power hitters or they are contact hitters and there are sort of some elite guys who like mookie betts is one uh i mean trout obviously uh jd martinez even just from players we've played against so far the mariners have seen who are guys who can do contact and hit for power and I don't think that 
Domingo is quite, you know, he still strikes out a fair amount, but the way that he makes contact with the ball and the way that he swings is unlike, it's so fascinating to watch his sort of inside out, like wrist control swing uh, from such a massive guy that and yet it's he sort really of like it, I was saying. I said this in my radio spot earlier today on Nation oh. Radio. Oh, oh. Um, but flex. He, uh, um, he, <laughs> not so much a flex. I'm not. Uh. Um, also, that's me like actually thinking about doing any phys- physical activity. Like, oh, flexing sounds like it would hurt me. Um, so, so you see, guys like Bellinger has that violent uppercut, right? Mm-hmm. The Harper. Mm-hmm. Domingo, he swings and it looks effortless, and then you look and the ball's like ten rows deep. Yeah, I mean, and that's the like some uh, I've seen a few people mention this about Cano in in Cano's swing that Cano has this effortless power, right? He he's got this swing that he's always essentially like he he's. Re, he's sort of guiding the ball back to where it should be going. Mm-hmm. Like he's convincing the ball. No, 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 no. You <laughs> meant to. You meant to be going to the right field seats this time. Like no, no, no. You you wanted to be a like laced line drive down the left field line, and like aesthetically, they're very different swings. But Domingo's ability to sort of see a pitch on the outside part of the plate and say, "Oh yeah, I should hit this for a line drive down the right field line." Of course, I'll do that. Uh, or and then get a fastball like inside and say, "Oh, I'm going to crank this into the upper deck." Of course, it's such an unbelievable athleticism, such incredible mechanics. That's and Edgar it, Martinez, right? Edgar Martinez yeah. was like, "Oh, the ball is here, so I should mm-hmm. put it here." Yeah. And he said that like it was the simplest thing in the world. <laughs> like, "Oh, the ball's on the inside. I will put it to right field. The ball is out. I will put it over here." And it's I. His ability to hit to all fields, I think, is is awesome. But yeah, I mm-hmm. would love even more Edgar and Domingo time together. Excited yeah. to see how that relationship grows. And I just the, the sort of the last thing is like you guys talked about Malix and and D and Tim Beckham, and I think it's really true that the the I mean we've we've all talked about how like we want the Mariners to have good players, but also that it certainly accentuates our enjoyment of and fandom when we're watching players that seem to get along well and seem to enjoy themselves and seem to be genuinely pleasant people. Uh, um, and just, like, watching Domingo Santana, like, in last night, or in Monday's game, slide pretty goofily <laughs> into the corner to make a catch get up like grinning sort of laughing at himself for how like ridiculous the slide was and then get a massive hug from Felix <laughs> in the dugout like that's exactly what I want my like my baseball fandom to be like like we can analyze and I, I love analyzing all the details but like that's what I want from watching the team is like I want the team to be making great plays and then in, see them enjoying that experience and, and that is so cool to have watched this first week here. Kate, who's who's your who's the person that stood out? Uh, you cannot pick any of ours, though. I no, know I will not. Some good ones. I am going to stay on the joy train and mm-hmm. say the glee the, train. The glee train, yes, the glee train. 
Uh, and I'm going to say that the person who's bringing me the most joyful glee is Brian Healy, uh, who was worth a staggering negative 0.8 <laughs> FR last year. Yeah. And is he was worse all, than Ichiro. <laughs> already worth 0.5 FR. Um, so that is really exciting. Last year, his walk rate was 5.2%. He has already increased that by an entire percentage point. So just keep doing that. And he has cut his K percentage so far down by another 10 points. So Got like that cool 4.414 ISO. Just like. Yeah, just, just cat. The, surely that's sustainable. Well, he, has, he has one non-extra base hit this year? Yeah, right? yeah, and everyone was right. so bummed because it, like, broke the streak. It broke his streak. Like, uh, well, I mean, he still dangers. has the, he has the game streak, That's so, true. you know. Also, like, I will take Ryan Healy, like, slapping a single around the field, a shift beater. Like, that, oh, yeah. to me, is really exciting. So, oh, yeah. I've always loved Ryan Healy, the person. Um, seeing Ryan Healy, the baseball player, do good things and just the incredible joy that he feels and being able to participate in that joy with him is it is life-giving so yeah it's nice to see him make adjustments too like john mentioned he went the other way against the red sox like he's doing things that i never would have thought he would do last year like the walks the laying off pitches hitting the ball to the opposite field it's great and i also really love when he does the the pinky grill thing because he looks (laughs) so goofy like, and yeah. I think he, he knows it, too. To do it I think he knows it. I think he's, like, leaning in. It's like when, yeah. like, your uncle tries to dab, and you're like, oh, well, that was bad, but we love you. That Except sort of thing. Ryan Healy, your goofy uncle, is definitely an, an energy, I think, you could that he brings. Yeah, he's more. it's more of a cousin vibe for me because he's still yeah. kind of young, young and vibrant. But, yeah, that extended family goofy guy who you see only now and again, but he's just... Like the life of the party. That's that's Ryan. Ryan. Uh, yeah. Should we should we go to some questions? Let's do it. Yes, we got a fair amount of questions. Thank you as always to everyone who hit us up on Twitter. Um, let's. I guess we've kind of done this. If you feel like it's too uh, similar, we can kind of skip over it. But we got one from AJ Allen at AJ Allen PDX. And they want to know who is the first position player to be called up. So we haven't talked about that. And then who is your unsung hero of the season so far? Someone who isn't getting talked about enough. So let's start with that uh, the position player to be called up. Obviously, the, the minor leagues haven't really gotten going yet. But do we have any predictions on who we think is first uh, with a bat to be called up from the minors? Mm. This is a reminder that uh, the minor league season starts April 5th. Fourth, whatever Thursday is fourth, right? Uh, yes, that would be the fourth. Uh, yeah. Yes, so there's plenty, and the rosters are out, and we're really excited to start following we got a, that. We got season previews for each team up on the site. Yes. Um, I don't know about the position player, and I think if as the team is going as it is, we're not going to see any of them for quite some time, hopefully. Um. But I guess I would maybe say, like, I think they could use a strong defensive outfielder at some point if Malik's... Malik's throw looked real wonky the other <laughs> yeah. night, right? That mm-hmm. did not look like a healthy throw. So yeah. I might I might say I'm concerned about Malik's arm and pin it on Braden Bishop. But Yeah, I, th- I think if, if any of the Edwin Encarnacion, Jay Bruce 
Ryan Healy, Daniel Vogelbach group get hurt, I think that Bishop would be the first guy to be called up um, because that would give them a little more outfield depth and you're not really losing any positional versatility there. If it goes, if it's not injury related and it's performance related, I think there's a chance that they could go shed long because like we've talked about the defense has not been awesome from Dylan Moore and you've not been getting a ton from him Um, yeah I think that's a good point I don't know that they would unless they actually have consistent play for him I don't know that they'd call him up for an extended period of time and I hope they wouldn't but especially if it was like I don't know like either Moore or like you know, maybe if like Healy took a 10, 10 day DL stint, they might call up Shed Long and say like, "All right, we're gonna give you some quick run here at third, and like, don't worry too much if you fuck <laughs> it up, but like, this will be cool." Oh <laughs> man, can you imagine Shed Long, Malik Smith, Tim Beckham, D Gordon, I, the sw- the sauce, the sauce of it, you'd be <laughs> drowning in sauce. Can't um, wait. Um, what about an unsung hero? Do you guys have one that maybe we haven't shouted out yet? I know for me it'd probably be Brandon Brennan just because I was expecting truly the worst to happen. <laughs> and he's been pretty good. I had never even, like, considered him. Like, I saw his name on the roster. I was like, okay, he's on the team. That was it. Like, I was never like, what does yeah. he throw? Where did he come from? Like, I knew he was a Rule 5 pick and that his name is Brandon Brennan, and that was mm-hmm. it. And then yeah. I watched him pitch, and I was like, oh, this might be something. Like, especially for how little we had to sacrifice to get him. It was like, good move, Jerry, at least through seven games. I uh, I threw some pretty heavy shade because I just could not find anything about him. And I was like, okay, I guess he's going to be on the roster all year. And, yeah, um, yeah I've been really – I I'm excited. I'm hoping that one of us at some point does a breakdown and looks at – what he was doing previously and what he's doing now to see if there have been any adjustments or any change. Because I can't imagine that, like, this dude who has looked so good so far was just kind of hanging out in the... It was the Rock... Wait. Uh, not the Rock. The Rockies wanted him, but the, he no, never actually was, pitched was for them. The, the Rockies signed him to That's a minor right. league deal because the Mariners... The Mariners kind of were shady here, if we're being honest. Oh, they were well, 100% Well, shady. I guess they weren't entirely shady. But, well, they, it, it helps the player out in the long run. But, yeah, yeah they definitely it, stole him from Colorado. <laughs> they outright stole him. The, yeah. Brennan was a minor leaguer with the White Sox for a long time, reached minor league free agency, signed up. The Mariners wanted to sign him to a minor league deal. He instead chose, he chose to sign Colorado. with the Rockies. Why? Why would you do that to yourself, Brandon? Why? I guess. So I mean, I guess the idea there would be like their really bullpen likes is hiking? a little sus. Well, and yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. Okay. Sus, so like he would have had a good pathway to the majors. So the Mariners instead said, "Okay, fine. We'll rule five draft you. You'll just get to be in the majors, which is better than being in the minors with Colorado, probably." I mean, on a lot uh, of assured, levels. Assured. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, on a pay level, on just, like, a general, whatever. But, like, it was, yeah, it was kind of, kind of whack. But um, I think he's a good call. I would say, I mean, we talked about Rowanis a fair amount, but, like, he's really looked so good. And, like, the changeup has been 
like, he's obviously the curveball guy. Like, we know him for his beautiful curveball, and it's still there, but, like, the changeup has made him legitimately tough to hit for righties. Mm-hmm. And, like, to the point where, like, I kind of wouldn't ha- wouldn't mind seeing them give him some more starts, uh, you know, <laughs> because, like, if you have three solid pitches and you have decent command, even if he's dropping down to, like, 92 to 94, like, that's a very good pitcher, uh, you know, for, like, five innings. So, I don't know. Wh- whatever they use him for, if as long as he continues to be comfortable, that's been really cool. And he's he's been – he's put out a lot of fires this, this uh, young season. Yes. Oh, I have one. Yeah. Um, Matt Festa. Matt Festa, oh, yeah, I think, call. has taken such a big step forward. He was always really solid in the minors. Uh, big strikeout guy. Very dominant. I mean, you could just... I feel like sometimes you can get a sense when pitchers do not want... When hitters do not want to face a certain pitcher. And that was the look I saw on everybody's face coming up in Arkansas having to face Matt Festa. Like, they did not want anything to do with him. Mm. And when he got to the majors, that was... It was a little bumpy. Like, it took him a long time to get it to his first strikeout. And I feel like he was still adjusting. And this year, just seeing him at spring training and seeing him out there now, like... He looks like a big leaguer. He carries himself with the confidence of a big leaguer, and I th- and he's pitching like he belongs. So I'm really excited to see what else comes for him this year. It's not going to be like a perfectly upward trajectory, but just seeing him get strikeouts against a very good offensive team in Boston is yeah exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. Good points made by all. I will uh, throw a shout out to Malik Smith's Florida chain as another unsung hero. <laughs> I love seeing for that. not stabbing him in the chest yet. Yeah, that might. Yeah, I do have some concerns about that because he slides head first all the time. But yes, I mean, he's probably yeah. been doing it long and enough also, that he knows how to avoid getting stabbed. Yeah. I don't. Know. You guys, I'm I'm hoping there'll be like some stranger than fiction situation where like the chain blocks a like throw to second <laughs> hit him in his helmetless head i think his like, helmet otherwise. can block a throw for sure it flies off like, yeah slow, i mean but, yeah like, if, if tossed off at the right trajectory but like because it's, he's it's gotta so show ex- off that macaroni penguin hair i guess yeah it's just like terrifying because like he is head first sliding and like they yeah. showed a slow-mo of his slide in monday's game and it just like joyfully was like I'm free. <laughs> like, yeah. It just leaped, uh, leapt off his head. So, yeah, the chain may have to do some double duty protection wise there. Some yeah. talisman work. Okay. Next question comes to us from CRT Sports Cards on Twitter. They said seven of 162 is an incredibly small sample size. But if this team continues to surprise us, how can DePoto improve the team and at the same time? not sacrifice a single prospect? This is an interesting question to me because I think we would all agree and most Mariner fans would agree that like there is no reason to give up a prospect for the pursuit of like a couple more yeah. wins this yeah. year. And we've so, already seen them do some light trading off of the prospect side to get Tom Murphy, to get um, Grant Anderson. So there are a few of these little types of moves. Um, I think it's too early. The Mariners have to, they're obviously not going to sustain this level of success, but if they can just kind of stay relevant in what is shaping up to be a pretty bad AL, um, Mm -hmm. they can buy a reliever's contract basically with minimal, at minimal prospect cost from somebody who maybe thought they were going to be better than they are. Yeah. 
the um, looking at five thirty. I don't know. There's a lot of different sort of playoff projections systems. Five thirty-eight is one of I would say the more uh, optimistic ones at times. Certainly not not always so conservative, but they they do it a different way than than some of the other places, which is interesting. Um, Nate Silver obviously invented Pakoda, so <laughs> you'll get something maybe more like what Baseball Perspective does. Anyway, the Mariners are now projected to be 83 and 79 by them at this point, based on what they've done, and they have a 27% chance of making the playoffs, uh, <laughs> which is far better than it was a week ago, obviously. Uh, but they're projected to be, they've got much better odds than the Angels um, and uh, pretty much worse than most of the other teams in the AL. Like, they're worse than the Twins and they're worse than the A's. But, you know, they're, they're not a, a, a joke team. So I think what Kate said about um, about buying a reliever is probably the likeliest bet. Another way they could go is trading either Jay Bruce or Edwin Encarnacion or both um, and getting sort of a maybe not shed essentially not shedding any money and instead getting either a prospect and a maybe like MLB ready player that fills a different hole because essentially the Mariners don't really need uh, <laughs> you know another another player in in those spots um, they have at like they are working around having four players for two spots and they could get a bullpen piece and a prospect you know maybe another long-term guy who also helps in the in the short term like Tue Valala was last year um who's you know a guy who's still gonna come back at some point yeah like yeah that's that's another thing to keep in mind is there's there is Sean Armstrong Anthony Swarzak, we, uh, who we don't know anything today, about. Wow. Um, That's <laughs> so, is, so soon. Swarzak day already. Swarzak closer yeah. coming into Yamo yeah. B there. Yamo <laughs> 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 That'd be the greatest. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect anything major in that regard because you're not going to be willing to trade from depth, but that's okay and and the Mariners are in a position where based on their plan of trying to compete again roughly midway through next year slash 2021 which we've all said was pretty ambitious and I still think is pretty ambitious even after seven good games um getting guys who are in their second or third year in the league and have some talent is still a useful thing to trade for, even if it's sort of a, a fringy addition. Um, so that that's the kind of guy who I think they could they could go for. Probably it would be more pitching that and less position players uh, in that regard, though, just because they have so many about to arrive pitching or position player prospects uh, at every position. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the veterans, it's you could definitely see Bruce or Encarnacion for a young pitcher. I think we would all be. Pretty thrilled with that. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go to Jeff M. at TW Owns You on Twitter. 
Jeff says, what kind of run would the pitcher massacring Mariners have to go on for us to be okay forfeiting a draft pick to sign Keuchel? Uh, nope. Don't do that. Nope. Don't do that ever nope. in don't any do world. That. No, no, don't do that. Don't give I us don't the draft that. pick. We got Cal Raleigh with the third round draft pick last year. I mean, third rounders still turn out to be MLBers. It's yeah, it's I mean, not worth it worth, in a rebuilding year. No, do I not. believe it's no. your third highest pick, which would mean it would actually. Oh, it would be, be our comp balance. It'd be. No, it'd be the second rounder though. The comp balance is after. Oh, okay, yeah. Er, oh no, you no, might be I think right. I'm right. No, I think I'm right. I think, I'm, right. Yeah, I think, I think it, I'm it would right. be the, it would be the comp balance pick. So yeah, so that would not be a. That would be uh, not a good use. This is it would not be even giving a up third. A top hundred yeah, pick. no, that's um, no, that's abs- It's a, that's a hard no from us. Moving on. Yeah, I mean, no well, me, here's though. what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. If you can, if you can sign Keuchel to a deal that is reasonable and I think I, I think that it could happen uh, not that I don't think the Mariners would do it but I think you could theoretically do it um, that is still someone that if the team ends up not in a great situation you can trade him and recoup decent value maybe a third rounder level value or a second or a comp pick value depending on the player you get but the reason Dallas Keuchel and the reason Craig Kimbrell haven't signed is because they want multi-year deals likely three to four years at least and that's fine you know sure but if they actually wanted to sign for shorter term deals they would have done it they would have done it yep. and they would do it they would just directly do it with a better team than the Mariners. Yeah. So yeah. like so. yeah. So I, I think there's not that fit is not there uh for what the Mariners need and that's that's okay. Um but yeah, it's not gonna come around. Right. And with each passing day I become more concerned that like Dallas Keuchel might not even have that good of a year. Like it's gonna take him a while to like get back into like, you know, MLB pitching shape I would imagine like he'd probably have to do some rehab starts so like I don't know if I would even want him because it's just such a a risk at this point like he's been in a little bit of a not a decline but he hasn't been that pitcher who won the Cy Young um and like yeah to give up a draft pick for a guy who will maybe be a good starting pitcher this year is not a chance I'm willing to take at all okay let's end with this one then this is from James Roberts at Junk Ball Pitchin do I have any one good of reason? my favorite? We we get a, a fair number of questions from James, and I it always brings me glee to yes, hear that that, that handle. handle. That is Absolutely. just on the money. Junk ball pitching, yeah, good good work there. Um, junk ball pitching wants to know: Do I have any good reason to be cautiously optimistic about the King? Um, I did not see any of Felix's performance. I caught the game last night um, around the seventh inning, and he was already out. So. I'll uh, defer to you guys. Do you have any good reason to be optimistic about Mr. Felix Hernandez? Uh, sadly, no. Nope. I mean, yeah, Kate says I think, no. I think he's gonna. He's done a better job of mixing in the curveball and um, kind of responding to the analytics. But I just, and he certainly didn't get helped out last night by the the error. So yeah. um, maybe his performance probably looks better. Is better than it looked but um 
I just, I feel like I've been down this road a bunch of times. Like, I get excited about a feel it, and I'm like, he's made changes. It's going to it's gonna work now, and then I get disappointed every time. So I am safeguarding my heart against this one. Um, the pitches were moving a lot last night, which is great. Uh, and the command was still suspect. So that's... You know, it's going to be challenging. What's going to happen for him when, if against a better hitting team? Because the Angels are a terrible hitting team right now. They have Mike Trout. Oh, they're so bad. Literally Tommy Lestella. Literally Tommy Lestella. Like, they don't have Justin Upton. They don't have Otani. Like, that lineup is awful right now. Um, Which is, you know, it's still a major league lineup, and he still looked quite solid against it. But, like, he only got four swinging strikes. Like, he did a perfectly fine job, and if he can look whatever, anything like that, then I think he's going to be all right. Um, But, you know, it will be, you know, Mike Leak ceiling, you know, like kind of thing. And that's perfectly fine. I I hope it's a reasonable season for him so that he can justifiably continue playing um, and continue sort of working his way towards getting you know in that Hall of Fame echelon because I want that desperately for him. Uh, but I, it, there's nothing that I saw that was like, oh yeah, he's back, back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously like everyone in this world that we live in. We're we're rooting for him, but it doesn't seem logical to think that Felix is going to be anything even remotely similar to what he once was. I think we could be looking at, like, a he's not as good as he once was, but he can be as good as he once was once. I fucked up that. You know what I'm saying? We're like, he might have one start this year. Yeah, where it's he's a like, good country song. Yeah. I know I messed up the words, but you knew what I'm saying. I think we're going to get one Felix start this year of, like, seven innings, six strikeouts, four hits, one run, and then that's, that's going to be, like, the swan song. But I don't think that's going to be a normal occurrence at all. I will say it was really fun to see last night, just the jubilation on his face and how excited he was after and in the game. And he felt congr- good, good on everyone who made it out on kind of a cold ish Monday night to the ballpark to see him pitch and support him in the court, because that really seemed to mean a lot to him. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm happy for every day like that. Every every good day that Felix has makes me happy. So. Yes, and I am happy that everyone listened to this podcast. Y'all are the best. Thank <laughs> you for the questions and for your listenership. Yes, sorry uh, if we can't get to all of them. As always, we are really working hard on keeping this guy to under an hour. And, um, you know, we all like to talk. So We do like to talk, and we like to entertain you with our terrible takes and for me <laughs> terrible impressions of random things um you can follow all of us on twitter obviously at lookout landing is kind of the main account kate is at once again to zelda john is just that john troopin and i matthew am at m robertson 22 give us a follow if you want more of us in your life which i'm sure a lot of you don't Or if you have questions that we didn't get to that you would like to ask directly. Yeah, or if you want to slide in the DMs. They are extremely open. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, nope, no. All right, not for Kate. For me, everyone, join. It's a good time. (laughs)
uh, a, I real, will... a real bacchanal in Matthew's DMs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what kind of state you keep your DMs in, but... Oh, they're, they are a wild ride. I, I, All right, we should I, stop talking. Um, we, we should 100% stop talking. Yeah. And get in those DMs. No! Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank <laughs> you all so much for listening. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. We will talk to you next week, hopefully with more fun things to talk about from this surprising, wildly surprising and wonderful so far club. Talk to you next week. Bye. I'm feeling so fine. I'm-